episode 298, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season 6, episode 2, Window of Opportunity. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. Back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. again. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, excited to talk about Coulson, not Coulson. <laughs> and I'm here with Agent Samantha. How you doing, Agent Samantha? I am doing well. How are you, Agent Ben? I'm doing great. Just great. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm telling myself I'm doing great because if, if I don't, I'm going to fall asleep. But uh, yeah, uh, I've been wanting to talk about this episode since watching it because there's some weirdness going on. There's some coolness going on. There's a lot to talk about here. Yes. A lot to talk about. Oh, yeah. In fact, I'm even thinking about turning the tables upside down Uh oh because we have some uh we have some feedback and it was uh audio feedback from agent coco yes yes and i think i'm gonna start with that and, okay. and let her have some of the first words and then um and then we'll talk okay so yeah, let's do it. Um, and sorry, someone asked about the Sounders from last episode. I, I didn't play the Sounders last episode. Um, I, I don't think oh. I'm going to play them this episode either because it's just faster. Okay. <laughs> when, uh, maybe when we're not doing two episodes a week, we'll we'll be able to you know ease in, do the news, you know, play the Sounders. Um, but here, it's just down and dirty. Let's just do this. Okay. So I'm going to play this voicemail, give uh, the first word to Agent Coco, and then um, and then we'll we'll bounce from there. But here is her voicemail. Hey, y'all. Is Agent Coco here? Welcome back. Agency Shield podcast. Welcome back, Agency Shield team. Season six. So far, so good. Aliens and um, Fitz pretending like he's an alien and getting caught out there. You know, I love me some Fitz. I still don't understand how Fitz is still alive. I'm still really confused about that because he died last season, which I cried my eyes out. But then he was also frozen at the same time. I I don't get that, but I'm glad he's not dead. Um, I wonder where Deke is. He was like my least favorite character, but I'm still curious to see what happened to him. And I feel really bad for May that she has to like deal with this fake Colson, or maybe it's the real Colson. Who knows? But anyway, um, I love Daisy's new hair. I want Yo-Yo and Mac to get back together. Um, 
And so far, Mac is doing a pretty good job as a director. So, yeah, I love this show. I'm excited that it's back on TV and it's supposed to get beyond uh, season seven. It got signed for another season, so it's going to be on for a while so we get to watch it and talk about it a little more. But I'm really loving seeing Colson being, uh, Court Gag, Greg playing like, a mean, cold villain. He's doing a great job. And, uh, yeah, um, hooray for Piper and Davis. They seems like they got promoted to being real team members and not red shirts. And that's all I'm going to say for now before my time runs out. Nice to hear you guys again, and I hope you're well. You're doing a great job. Don't listen to the haters. You're doing a great job. Okay. Peace. Bye. All right. Thank you so much. And we, we're we not listening to the haters. We're just hearing them. What's <laughs> <laughs> that? Um, and I do want to say, again, thank you, because I'm not sure who's listening to what, you know, um, but we did have two, uh, two very positive feedback um, things on, on iTunes, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much for doing that. Um, I mentioned that in the last episode about Cloak and Dagger, but... Thank you very much for that. Um, but the the place I want to start here, and, and she actually left another voicemail. We'll, we'll get to it in just a second here. But um, the place I want to start here is why is Fitz still alive? And this is one of the most interesting things that we get to talk about, I think, in in the sci-fi context of the Agents of Shield here, because we have stepped full on into sci-fi. We've I mean we've been there, you know, we've had the holographic world. Um, and we've had different things happening, but this is the time travel stuff. And so you got to think about it. it. It's, it's fun to think about. <laughs> so you've got, let's say Fitz from January gets into the spaceship and he is going to go into the future, the slow way while everyone else in January went to the future, the fast way. And so 78 years in the future in January. And then the people who went to the future the fast way meet with Fitz and they're all doing their thing in the future and come back to February. And when they come back to February, they change the future completely. So March, April, and so on and so on and so on is completely different. But in the course of changing the future, Fitz gets killed. So they're in February. And Fitz is still out in that spaceship headed toward a different future that's going to be um, – you know, that doesn't need him anymore because they already fixed everything. And so that's why he's still alive is that it's a different version of Fitz who – they. It, it's it's really it's confusing and yet at the same time it's it's really interesting it's kind of fun to think about um the problem is i as soon as we're done with cloak and dagger and agents of shield i really want us to do an episode that's just about time travel in the mcu and and kind of hash out what happens here with agents of shield hash out what possibly happened in endgame hash out um where things are going with these these upcoming series and and talk through also 
these alternate universes that we have here. Uh, because ben, we we see it directly in this episode. Yeah, we do. But Ben, that analogy is a little confusing. I was thinking more Back to the Future Part 2. When Marty McFly goes back to, was it 1953? For uh, the second time to the Enchanted Under the Sea Dance, and there's two Martys. Uh-huh. If the Marty wearing the black jacket and the hat dies, he's still savable because there's an earlier version of Marty up on stage playing the guitar. Yeah, kind of, except it flip-flops a little bit because instead of the past, it's in the future. And and that's where I think the, the trip up comes is that yeah. Fitz goes to the future, then comes back to the past. And that's what we have to anchor ourselves in with this whole situation is that he comes back to the past. And when he comes back to the past, that's when there's two Fitzes. There, so they come back to stop the world from being destroyed here in 2017 or whatever. And there's a Fitz on Earth and there's a Fitz out in space. And I really think one of the main reasons why they killed off Fitz on Earth in that horrible, horrible scene is because – horrible in the best way possible, you know. But it's because there's another Fitz out there and what are they going to do? You know, yeah. are they going to are they going to do a you know a, a twins episode or twins in this season where you have two Fitzes running around, uh, which they could do. And then let's not forget Schrodinger's baby. Oh, we still don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't really know if uh, Simmons was really pregnant. We don't know if she um, let's hope not miscarried. Uh, we don't know if she had a baby and is fostering it out to somebody else. We don't know if the writers just decided, eh, she's not pregnant after all. So that's why I called it Schrodinger's baby. Cause we don't know until we get some confirmation. Right. There, there both is and is not a baby because we haven't opened up the box yet to find out if the baby's in there or not. Yeah. Except for Davis's baby. We know we ha- he has a child. So yeah. Uh, okay, so let's go ahead and listen to Agent Actually, Coco's. before we move on. Oh, sure. I just want to say one more, one more thing. Hi, Agent Coco. How are you, girl? I'm going to high-five you across time and space. There you go. All right, let's listen to her second <laughs> voicemail now. All right. Hey, y'all. This is Agent Coco again. I forgot to mention in my first message, and I really wanted to say that that fight with Agent May on the truck, like, shout out to Agent May, Ming Na Wen. That was such an amazing fight. Like, I was like, how is she going to defeat and go up against this seven-foot man, you know? And I just peeped how she was so slick. Because she knew that if he hit her one time, it would be a wrap. So she managed to not get hit. And that was just a really cool effect. Like the truck attached to the jewelry store and that weird kind of hole they made in the wall. Very cool special effects happening in that episode. So I just had to call back to say that because I really like to give the women on the show props 
for not just their like fighting skills, but also their intelligence. I love that there's that balance that they provide for us. So like they're really great warriors, but they also have really good intuition and really good like just skills as far as like figuring things out. So I just had to say that I find it really, really cool. I just love seeing strong women, strong characters of color, uh, strong black women characters. It's just a really nice thing to see in media. So that's it. I'm rambling. So thank you. Bye. And and that's your second voicemail because our voicemail system only allows three minute messages. So it does cut you off sometimes. And then, yeah, in this case, though, she actually hung up before the three minutes knowing it was coming and then just had to call back. So, so thanks ancient Coco. Yes, you're right. I mean that, that, and we, we will get to it. That fight with may against that Sarge's team. That was pretty amazing. And it was good to see her back in fighting form form compared to last season where she had to sit things out because, um, Ming Na Wen tore her ACL. So, uh, I know uh, May doesn't like the nickname, but the Cavalry is an apt name. Yeah, and it is a great scene, and, and we it will is. get there quickly here. But uh, what a wonderful fight <laughs> because it used it used the environment too. So there's yes. desperation on her part, and and quick thinking on her part. But then there's also just the choreography of it using the environment the way they did, and and science. There's wow. some science, well, science fiction, science yeah. fiction involved. Yeah. yeah. And, um, when I reviewed this episode today, my boyfriend came to visit and, um, he had some comments on that scene. So I will say what it is when we get to that scene. Okay. All right. So let's talk about Sarge and his group of people. Um, Sarge is Clark Gregg. Sarge is Colson. Colson is us. We are Colson. Colson is us. Hashtag Colson lives. Hashtag Sarge is us. I don't know. <laughs> but we find out a lot of stuff about Sarge in this episode. But one thing we find out early on when he's changing his sunglasses, he takes a look at some aviator styles and then opts for that kind of goggles steampunk style instead to show us he's not the same Colson. He's nope. not the same Colson anymore. <laughs> so his team, you know, they, they've been bouncing around from universe to universe is what they make it sound like. They, they, they're old hats at this. They come in, they rob a store, they quickly assess what kind of currency they use. They steal some Slurpees and a roadmap of Ohio. <laughs> and then they load up in their Mad Max truck and they vanish. Um. Okay, so we're not... Well, no, actually, I was going to say something that dealt with um, the PEGs specifying what it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. let's let's continue. Let's just continue with them because they got an invisible truck there, mm -hmm. which, OK, if you're going to blend in, that's the way to go. Um, yes. But here's where we get we got Sarge. We got Pax. We got Jocko. We got the person they call Snowflake. But apparently IMDb calls Butterfly. Let me go and check because I don't have that page open right now. Okay, well, it, it doesn't matter too much. They they yeah. call her Snowflake. She talks about butterflies. She talks about reincarnation. Um, and then the fifth member of the team is Tinker. 
and he he's dead. the dead guy in the brick wall. Ah, uh, uh, concrete. Con- well, it's cinder block. Yeah. So he's the dead guy, though, and he's also their engineer. He's the guy who would be like doing a bunch of the jobs they need to do now. And this causes a rift in their team. Um, but OK, so we have Jocko who has to breathe in some it's like a, almost like a vaping kind of thing. Um, he hasn't breathed his home world atmosphere in over nine years. Like, so they're dropping these little tidbits of information that are kind of, you know, setting this scene for us. Um, They need to. And this is where they see the PEG stuff, because they're looking through advertisements in in magazines. They see an ad in a newspaper for a jewelry store. And the, the primary image in the ad is a watch. And that's where they're like, okay, that jewelry store must have the PEGs. And the first thing I thought was, I saw the watch and I'm like, are they going after the crystals or what's going on? But I didn't know what they were, what they were trying to get or why. Um, and then they make it look like it's just going to be a, a, a jewelry heist. And it turns out they are after crystals. Because when they get there, they get taken down to the the uh, the vault downstairs and they don't want the diamonds. They don't want all these really expensive rare gems. Uh, when they escape, they do say, hey, let's take some of these with us too because, you know, they're valuable here. But they want the quartz. They want the, the crystals from, from what would be in watches. They should take their truck and come down to North Carolina because you can find all courts all over the place. You don't have to really dig for them. You, you can just pick them up off the ground. <laughs> I have a huge piece of quartz in my room. Well, not huge. It's about the size of a uh, teacup saucer. But it's it's a pretty decent size. And they're welcome to have it all they want because um, uh, if you ever go to visit like um, – revolutionary era farms uh you frequently would find uh, a wall made out of quartz because they had uh, or a foundation is made out of quartz because there's uh really not much that can be done with them yeah well we're going to find out what can be done with them i i I, i'm assuming has something to do with powering up but i I don't know yeah well back in you know the 17 whatever's there was not much that could be done with them besides you know make small memo- uh, like memorials like i've seen gravestones made out mm-hmm. of them or um but yeah they're all over the place here all over the place and th- like i said they're welcome to have them because <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the other thing they're talking about getting is finding a replacement for tinker uh, which I th- okay, so I don't know what is going on here, but I'm getting the impression that these guys are going from world to world to world, loading up on stuff they need for their journeys. There's apparently some sort of mission in mind here, but they're also taking like survivors or whatever uh, along with them. And so you have Jocko from his world that he hasn't breathed the air of that world for nine years now. Uh, but he's been part of this team. And 
episode nine years ago, they were at his world, which apparently, you know, there's something different about his atmosphere. Um, you've got Coulson then, not Coulson, Sarge, uh, who is, other than all this radiation, is a DNA match for Coulson, 100%, uh, which he is Coulson then. Or he is a, he's a double of Coulson. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, but then you add to that, okay, so he has the DNA of Coulson, but he is not a good person. He is not a good person. He's a decent leader, but they go into that jewelry store and he is super threatening. <laughs> like he's, it's this really friendly threatening kind of thing with the lady there. And then they kill the guards and. Which take, is typical of Coulson to be friendly threat threatening. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a hypothesis about Coulson, this Sarge. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think necessarily he's evil. I think he's trying to save whatever those bat-like creatures are from devouring universes. Well, I, I think he's actually a good good guy. Bat bat-like creatures? Yeah. From, where did you see those in last episode or in this one? Both. Um, when that portal was opened, um, the first one that we saw, there were some bat-like creatures who came through a portal. Yeah, I remember those. And then in this episode, we see um, on um, Tinker's uh, uh, next device. Drive, yeah. Yeah, the drive. Uh, we see a video of them on another world, and there are these bat-like creatures that seem to be devouring that world. Okay, I didn't. I didn't see clearly what was happening there. I thought it was just the world was coming apart. It almost, it was reminiscent, not exactly, but it was reminiscent of the dusting of, of uh, infinity war. I didn't see the bat light creatures though. Yes. So whatever it is, it's devouring worlds. And I think that Sarge is, is basically Coulson. He's a good guy who's trying to save the world. I think he's a bad guy who's trying to save the world. I, I think I think he definitely has a mission that is, generally speaking, a positive mission. But I think that he's just one of those whatever it takes to get the job done. The ends justify the means. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, you're right. That would technically be a bad guy. Um, uh, that, that's I mean, based on what we're seeing here, that's that's where my mind is going. Okay. Yeah. But then also, <laughs> I did not see the bat creatures. And so now you, you brought that up and I'm, I'm going to want to rewatch it because I want to see that. But <laughs> my mind just goes to Tommy Knocker, not Tommy Knockers. Was it Tommy Knockers? Oh, Tommy Knockers. Um, Where the world was... is getting destroyed by those stupid CGI things in the oh, movie. Oh, yeah. I didn't read I the book. I only saw the TV movie and it was not great. Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> there was some good elements to it. Um, that weird guy who who he relaxed by tearing up paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing about Stephen King is he is all about the high concept and it's amazing high concepts. But almost every single Stephen King book I've ever read, I'm enthralled throughout most of the book until the resolution. So the high concept, the characters are thrown into this crazy situation, and then you get to the end, and I'm almost 
always let down by the end of every book that I've read by him. Um, I'd say not the new uh, Detective Trilogy that he just did uh, with a retired cop. That was the endings of those books did not did not let me down. But oh, good. Um, yeah, almost almost everything by him. I'm just like, OK, at what point am I going to get to that point where we're in the ending now? And I mean, under the dome cell, um, maybe it's just more the, the the more recent books by him. But. Yeah. That's that's part of why I haven't gotten around to actually finishing the Dark Tower series. I feel bad because I've never started Stephen King books, and maybe it's because I'm not necessarily a huge fan of horror. But I have seen a few of the movies or the TV series based on the book or something like that. Um, <laughs> and I, I have not read The Stand, but I did watch the miniseries, and that's another one where that ending of that miniseries, if it's the the ending from the book, oh my goodness. Oh, I, yeah. You know what? I remember most of that except for the ending. The ending was so... It just... Which maybe says something about the ending. It was just forgettable. Well, it was, it was memorable to me just because how bad it was. It was one of those where I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know how to end this. Let's have the hand of God do something here. And anyway, uh, I digress. Okay. So here we are with, with Sarge, his team. They're looking for crystals. They have this cool technology where they draw a doorway on a wall somewhere. And then this is clearly similar to the technology they were using to get their people into the world. I'm not sure how the exploding uh, museum fit into that to get the truck in, you know, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what went into that, but the, them creating this portal through the wall of the jewelry store, it goes directly into the back of their truck. And I love the confusion of the shield agents as they're dealing with, wait a minute. We saw in the cameras that three people went down there with the saleswoman. And now there's five people in there. Like, how did that happen? Um, last episode, I think Sarge and his crew mentioned something about they need something that's really old and ancient to get through. Yeah, uh, I though I don't right. know how the yeah I don't it know had how to be the man-made. wall works. It, it had to be it had to be man-made. It couldn't be natural. Oh, okay. So probably that helps to uh, pun intended cement a crossover. <laughs> um, and I, I wonder, like the older, the better. So, like, they needed something really old to get the truck through, but it didn't have to be so old to get the birds and the people through. Or maybe it's just the older it is, the larger the portal can be. Yeah. I, I, it's yeah. really curious. It's really interesting. There's clearly rules here that they've established that I, you know, hey, uh, this is just one of the things about watching a show like this. I'm excited about finding out the rules of this technology. Yeah, me too. Uh, so at this point, I, I don't think we talked too much more about the, the plot of this thing. Um, as far as Sarge and his team goes without talking about may and the rest of her people. But, um, we got uh, Pax, this guy, 
he is pushing back against Sarge all over the place. Yeah. And every time someone said his name, I kept thinking it's the Pax from uh, the movie Serenity based on the show Firefly. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. 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 Um, which for those who have not been initiated, I will not spoil it. Just watch the series and then watch the movie and then obsess that there is no more content except for a few comic books. Don't obsess about that. You run with it. <sighs> you say to yourself, I have a complete novel. I have a season of TV. I have a a movie that ends it pretty good. It's not the Mm -hmm. perfect ending, but it's a good ending. It's a good solid ending. Yeah. Yeah. You got to look at the bright side. I mean. And then you. Yeah. (laughs) And then you can laugh at the Game of Thrones fans for being upset that season eight has ended and there's no more. (laughs) No, we don't laugh at them. We we empathize. Yeah. We understand. Actually, we, we enjoy the series with them. So, yeah. No, we well, I haven't watched it, but I, I empathize to you to say I'm sorry that you don't like the ending. Um, that's well, I can't say anything else because yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Field Field Agent Boyfriend got me to watch. Um, I I have listened to the books from uh, Audible, and um, he's caught me up with the following seasons, and um, so he got me to start from season eight um and it started out strong and then it went somewhere that did not make sense yeah well yeah that that is not the only show that's ever done that yeah and but there are good shows out there that have good endings oh yes i mean big bang theory which i know you don't like that show i do not but, but, it but I'll did allow you things. to like it if you want to, yeah. fine. <laughs> um, but it did. It ended exactly as I had hoped, including fixing the elevator. Oh, they I wondered about that. that ele- yeah. I wondered about uh, that. Yeah. Over this past few seasons, I'm like, they're going to fix that elevator on the very last episode. And that's what they did. So, so there's one spoiler. But um, there's also a ton of fun surprises um, in the episode. So I will not spoil the rest i'm so sorry for those of you who have not seen it yet but it's a really good episode if you love big bang theory yeah well and if you want shows that have good endings you know you've got again i think serenity is a great ending to firefly farscape has a decent ending um stargate unfortunately no Mm. um but there there the, the problem is and Maybe we shouldn't get into this, but it's just the fan ownership and the fan um, entitlement where, you know, I've invested my life in this show. I deserve what I want to get out of this. When it ends, I deserve it to end the way I want it to. And that's that's not the way art works. There's a back and forth in art, but art is a dialogue that primarily – is one way. And well, there's that. And then there's characters doing something that's completely inconsistent with previous seasons. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. Yeah. I mean, I've a lot of what I'm seeing is just people saying this was terrible because these people can't write, you know, but then you have the petition going out to say, uh, let's redo season eight of game of Thrones. And I'm just like, that's not going to do anything. They're not going to invest that much money in redoing something no. they've already done. And 
what does that say, you know, to all the other people who are involved in this artistic process where it's okay, fine. You know, the two writers, maybe you're not happy with them, but, um, but you're also saying let's erase everything everyone else did too. So every performance, let's get rid of it. Every, you know, script written by someone else, let's get rid of it because these two guys, you know, and that's not, that's not the way business works. (laughs) It's not the way art works. And, um, yeah. So if you're lucky, yes, you get this perfect thing that you happy with every single episode. Um, and if you're unlucky, you know, there's a lot of people who just are so unhappy about lost still just unhappy about it, you know? And for me, I'm just partially, I think because I'm empathetic as a creator, you know, I, I'm willing to go on the journey that the people who are creating this thing are taking me on. And I may not like the journey itself. I may not like what they do, but I'm also looking for, you know, what's what's good about this and and what can I get out of this? What kind of enjoyment can I get out of this? What can I learn about art? And well, looking at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in this, you know, I wonder, would we be better off if season five had ended the way it ended and we'd be done with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And... You can you can wear out your welcome, and you know that's kind of almost kind of what happened with Babylon Five, where they J M Straczynski was going to do five seasons. He was told no, you got to do it in four. So he planned it out. He wrote almost every single script of that whole series, but he planned it out and ended season four where he wanted to end, and then the network came back to him and said, "We're going to give you one more season." And so he actually used that fifth season to fill in the gaps between the second to last episode of season four and the last episode of season four, because there's a time jump and it's not as good. It's not as good. It maybe should have ended there. And then you have the spinoff stuff that they did, which is really not as good, but they end, you know, there's a spinoff series that just kind of ends on a cliffhanger and you're just like, well, what's going to happen here? I don't know. Nothing because it got canceled because it wasn't as good and people didn't, didn't latch on to it. So. Yeah, that's, that's another series. Uh, my boyfriend wants me to watch too. So which, which I believe it's on prime now. Yeah. And I've, I've wanted to watch it, but over the past couple of years, I've been here at welcome to level seven and I only have so many hours in the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. I've been slowly working through the first season of Andromeda. I've never oh. never watched that show. And with uh, Kevin Sorbo, yeah. Sorbo, okay. Yeah. I've been curious about it. So, if you're listening right now, don't spoil it for me, but is this one of those shows that <laughs> is Andromeda a show that the ending is not worth the journey? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just we we have this, we call it the embarrassment of riches, but if we're coming back to just agents of shield, um, they did a decent job of that series ender. That could be a season ender or a season ender. That could be a series ender with the season five finale. And then they're told, Hey, we're going to let you keep going. Uh, and already we have a problem with the way this fits in with Endgame. I'm not going to say anything more than that, but there's a problem here. If you haven't seen Endgame, you don't care. <laughs> there isn't a problem because it's just continuing off where season five left off. And yeah, so here we are. And I've already like 
got some problems now. And it's generally it's that completionist canon thing. And I really you know want to do that time travel episode. But anyway, here we are. We have multiple universes. We have Sarge from a universe, but he's a DNA match 100% for Coulson. We've got Jocko who needs to take breathing treatments. We've got Pax who is just causing trouble constantly with his um, anger about losing Tinker. And then you've got Snowflake or Butterfly who is just, she's crazy. Yeah. Oh, by the way, she is, for this episode, she is credited as Snowflake on IMDb. But like we said, uh, what's canon, what can be found as canon is in the episode itself. So her name's Snowflake. That's what they call her in the episode. Yes. And yeah. And the reason they've, that people have been calling her butterfly is she's just talking about how everyone who dies is going to reincarnate as a butterfly. And it's another one of those points of tension, you know, not everyone comes back as a butterfly. Yeah. But that brings up something though, her obsession with reincarnation and butterflies and then you have tinker and his his threat there's a you know he's talking about she's talking about the end of life he's talking about this thing uh, you actually looked it up the word yes. that he was talking about what was the word um if you remember last episode uh we discussed that there was a word that uh that I neither butchered of us yeah completely and utterly yeah um the word is pachakutik yeah, it comes from um, the, uh, oh, I hope I say this right, uh, the Quechua language, um, which is native to uh, the Andes of South America. Um, and it's in a reference to, um, I believe, it, it's both a reference and a concept. It's a reference to um, an ancient leader called uh, Pachacuti, um, who was responsible for transforming the kingdom of Cusco. Uh, into the Inca Empire. Um, now, the term uh, Pachacutic, um, uh, it means a change in the sun or a movement in the earth that brings a new era, uh, or one other translation I found was Earthshaker, which reminds me of last season mm-hmm. and the whole thing about um, Quake. What was it that they said about Quake? Uh, what did they call it? The... the- <laughs> The shaker of worlds, the breaker of worlds. I can't remember. The breaker of worlds. Yeah. Um, and it's in, ju- in just for a trivia's sake, it's also the name, uh, part of a name of a modern political movement uh, concerning the indigenous peoples of the Andes, um, which makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so this is, this is um, directing towards a big change, which, if you think about this season, it makes sense to uh, talk about this kind of thing and reincarnation, um, because I think there's a lot to unpack in this season. And um, I am hoping, because we know we already have season seven this fall, I am hoping it's a strong season and that there's so much more to to, to, uh, to come for the series. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping too. <laughs> That's all we can do is hope. That's all we can do. But I, I think that there's there's clearly a apocalyptic something going down here. Yes. You know, and, and so he's saying, yeah, th- bad thing. <laughs> a 
a bad thing is coming and you can't stop it. Yes. So don't even try. All right. Let's talk about the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. then and what's going on with them. Um, We've got Keller is the guy that Yo-Yo has been connecting with relationally. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so Keller uh, is upset, though, because of the person who was killed by Sarge last episode. Um, Mac is upset because he's... He doesn't want anyone to know about this this Coulson guy. May is upset because she's seen Coulson. And they're all just trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, they get the lead by finding this... What do they call it? Was it uh, a biological drive or something like that? Or something like that, yes. Yeah. It- so they find video from Tinker. And yeah, what's going on? <laughs> I don't... You say bats. I say dust. Is it bats and dust? It's something. Could, could be. Could be dust bats. Like like dust mites only. Or dust bunnies. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's dust bunnies, uh, you know, in the fashion of the uh, rabbit from um, uh, Monty Python on the Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Killer dust bunnies. Yes. Uh, so Benson's on the job, though. So he has... <laughs> He's got to figure out what where the Sarge guy came from, right? So he has several viable hypotheses. That's what he says, which is what scientists say when they don't know squat. <laughs> Here's his – he goes through it I all. Like I, I like him. I like him. He lists through everything. Uh, I, I, so I wrote it all down. He says, odds are it's related to one of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s previous mistakes, which I'm working my way through a very long list. <laughs> Fear manifestations, nano masks in humans. Uh, though I'm thinking I should revisit the file on those life model decoys, which really shouldn't be a thing, by the way. And so that's his leading hypothesis until he actually checks the DNA on the bad guy, on the Sarge, and finds that it's a 100% match. Yeah. Do you know where they got the DNA? Uh, from the store, right? From the straw, yeah. from the Slurpee. Yeah, Sarge left his cup, his... How dare he leave his Slurpee behind? I mean, c- come on. Those things are good. Hey, you're robbing the store. You don't. I know. You know, the value of the Slurpee means nothing to you if it's free. You know, there's only value well, if you're actually putting your hard earned cash on the counter and paying for that Slurpee. And then you say to yourself, I want every single drop of the Slurpee and I'm going to fill up that dome on the top of my Slurpee until it overflows. (laughs) And I'm going to tap my Slurpee on the counter and I'm going to get it to come down a little bit further, get some of the air out of there and then fill it up a little bit more. Do that three times. Yes. Three times. Then you go and you pay for it because that's when you know you've met you. You've got your, your value worth. Out of that Slurpee. He doesn't care. <laughs> he didn't. He doesn't care. No, he doesn't care because he just saw another world uh, be consumed. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, they they find out that the DNA is 100 percent match for Coulson, but then Benson is upset. And he is upset because no one told him Coulson has resurrected before. I mean, uh, minor detail, but maybe should have been mm. shared with him, huh? Minor detailed, but 
no, he does not have the right to be upset compared to May. No, but he's on because of that. He's on well, board. He's yeah, all he's in to board. stop the doppelganger. Why? Because of May. I think they're trying him out, but I don't think he's quite level seven yet. Well, if that's they a, should, assuming they even have level numbers anymore. Yeah, but that's true. Yeah, they wouldn't. But yeah, he does need to be informed in quite a bit. Well, but that's that's up to Mac to decide what he does and does not know. True, but you put a guy on on a research thing that has to do with a someone who may have possibly resurrected from the dead. True. It might be good to, you know, let the guy know that, hey, yeah, uh, he's already done this. True. <laughs> yes, you're he's right. He's done this once before. Yeah. So. Well, he didn't do it. It was Fury who did it. Made him resurrect. Well, but he, he had resurrected. Yes. He, yes. He, he's, 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 he's been there, done that, got the t-shirt and the, the back rub. Yes. <laughs> um. So they do follow clues. They follow, you know, the, basically the path of their this uh, Sarge's team. It takes them to this, um, uh, what do you call it? The car lot place uh, where there's lots and lots of like truck, oh. trucks and. Yeah. yeah anyway. Uh, that, that, yeah. That looks like some sort of like shipping uh, hub. Yeah. So they go there and there's nothing there. But then they find out about the bank. So they go to the bank. Bank? No, it's a jewelry the store. The jewelry store. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They go to the, the jewelry store. And they think, we're going to have to cut through this door. And then, you know, May gets to thinking. And she has an idea. So she goes back to that place, finds their invisible truck, goes into the truck. And starts fighting Pax, knocks him out, fights Jocko, and there's a huge fight scene. It results with her going into the vault. And she then uh, comes back out of the vault, pulls down the portal, knocks it down on the ground so that everyone in the vault can't get out. Uh, but she still has two opponents, and she's doing great, you know, but Sarge interrupts, and she, uh, I Can love- Can I in interrupt? Yeah. Okay, so the where she pulls that panel down, mm -hmm. that's when my boyfriend exclaimed, "Now you're thinking with portals." Okay, you can proceed. Yeah, no, it's it's totally right. Like she's yeah she's fighting with the environment. She's using the environment, Jackie Chan style, and yes. or Mulan style. Well, Maybe I don't Maybe? know. I haven't seen Mulan. Well, Ming-Na Wen is, is, she pretty much is a Disney princess because she did the voice for Mulan. Yeah, I, but I haven't seen it. Oh. So I, I don't know anything about the... It's really good. Is it still on Netflix? Might, it may be. Yeah. I'm watching yeah. Andromeda right now. So Anyway, okay. um, Sarge comes in. That totally throws her off. And then um, Snowflake actually gets, gets the jump on her and uses the portal pulls it so that it trips her. She falls into it on the floor into the, the vault. And then they, they close the portal. So when the shield team actually gets the port, the, the vault open, there's may waiting for them inside. <laughs> I love it. Like the, it's just so yeah. cool. They use it, it so well. 
They use it so well. Um, she does say the word Coulson to him. And then as the team is driving away, uh, it Pax, it says, Sarge, you froze that word. What does it mean? Coulson. And he says, I don't know, but it rings a bell. And that's where I said, it means son of coal. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. <laughs> yeah. If if you're going to go there, you got to go there, right? I mean. Oh, I'm going yeah. there. Shall we, shall we revisit um, the Thor Lebowski? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Benson, son of Ben, <laughs> unlocked that biological hard drive and sees the end of a world. And mystery upon mystery. It's great. I, I'm not going to say a word of complaint about how does this fit in with the Marvel Cinematic Universe movie side. As far as I'm concerned, there's other conversations to have there. But as far as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is concerned, this is just another in a long line of very good episodes. And I really enjoyed this. We haven't even talked yes. about the space stuff yet. We're going to have to get to that in a moment. But Oh, I have comments on that. Yeah. Just good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. So you want to go into space? Yes. So apparently Fitz is lying about him not being human. And he's actually saying that he is from Sivos, I think is how they said it. Um, um, I didn't write that down. Yeah, it's it's S V O S S I V O S. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So we talked about you know what's his relationship with people on this spaceship. Well, they're a very xenophobic group of people wherever they're from, and you know if they find out he's human, that's not good. But he's not the greatest, you know. We used to talk about how Simmons was not a good liar. Fitz is a good liar, but this is a really elaborate lie that he's having to work on. <laughs> and so there's a, they call it a viscous Zandarian sna uh, snail. And it slams into the window of a sewage tank. tank that he just fixed. And when it startles him like that, there's this lady there who seems very suspicious based on his reaction to the snail. And then she says, what part of Sivos did you say you were from? And he says, north, very, very far north. Apparently, though, north, very, very far north is an irradiated landscape, wasteland. And so they figure out he's not one of them. He's hiding something. And what's he hiding? Enoch. <laughs> Enoch, yeah. Forgive me, but everybody on that crew, except for the captain, looks like they're about to go hunt some ghosts. <laughs> Ghost, <laughs> Ghostbusters. That's that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> um, or maybe some sort of stylized version. All they needed were the proton packs, but anyways. <laughs> well, you know, you, you wear some sort of tan over overalls or whatever you're, you're gonna look like that yeah tan or tan overalls these are a little bit dirty though um with black gloves and black boots and a belt and whatever yeah, yeah. you're gonna go there so uh it's viros who is um kind of the captain he's going to put them in the airlock but fitz works really fast he talks fast and he 
he also talks stupid. And so he says, we'll work for free. So a bargain is struck. And Enoch is not worried at all. He's convinced they'll survive because the seer said that Fitz was needed in the future, not knowing that they are in a timeline where that future is fixed. Then the boss says, hey, it is cheaper to have you two really hardworking and really knowledgeable slaves than a crew of inefficient people that I have to pay. So he's going to kill them all. He's going to airlock them instead. And of course, Fitz feels bad that the other engineers are going to be killed. Uh, but Enoch does not have a good plan to help them. <laughs> so <laughs> Fitz takes a wrench and he also, after confronting the captain, he takes a stand with them. But everyone is replaceable. So they put Fitz in the airlock, too. Mm-hmm. And then it opens. And the crew and the captain get sucked out a different airlock because I think he scrambled the controls. I think that's what happened is that they use the controls to open the airlock they were standing in. But it actually opens up the other one. And Enoch is in there and he's able to close it and save the rest of the crew. And it's it's nice. Um, I so. have in my notes, uh, it says a Star Trek um, action in the, in the airlock vacuum. Because all they did was put Enoch on some wires, have him hold onto a rod, and then shake the camera a little bit. So there's your Star Trek reference. Because uh, on uh, The Next Generation, that's where they started having people stand there and bounce around on a static set while moving the camera. Oh, they did that on the original series. Did they? Yep. Okay. Yep. It was it was okay. a joke before Next Generation was a thing. Um, okay. Well, maybe on Next Generation, they perfected that technique. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Or it was maybe pretty I'm good. Just... It was pretty good in original. Okay. Well, maybe I'm just mixing it up from the original. Yeah. But me being a child from the TNG era, that's what I remember it from. Oh, they definitely used it. Yeah. A lot. They did. Yeah. <laughs> and have you ever seen it where they were able to take uh, take the footage and stabilize it? Um, so it, yes. it removes the shakiness of the camera and it's really funky looking because it's just them bouncing around. It it looks ridiculous without the moving camera. It's bad. <laughs> well, here's here's where I really remember it. It's from uh, the Star Trek episode of Reading Rainbow, which stars LeVar Burton, who mm-hmm. is also plays Geordi on Next Generation. Um, and he Great explains episode, how that way. works. Yeah. It is a fantastic episode. Um, uh Actually, I think that is my favorite episode from Reading Rainbow. Um, so, and he explains, which is probably why I attribute it to TNG. Um, but yeah, I mean, he talks about he uh, shows that the cameraman shakes the camera, and he's standing still, so he doesn't look so silly. It just it's just only the camera shaking. And then he he stands there, he sits in a seat, and he starts shaking himself, and then he throws himself off camera with the camera. Uh, he throws himself out of frame with the camera just static. So he looks ridiculous too. But he also looks like he's having a lot of fun at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. They they also showed how the uh, transporters worked in that episode. Oh, yeah. Like there was some really neat, really neat stuff there. Yeah. Um, but- and uh, the floor of 
the or the floor and the ceiling from uh, the TNG tra- uh, transporter is the same one from the original series, except they just flipped the floor and ceiling. But I think the walls are different. The walls um, are definitely different. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the floor and ceiling original. Hmm. Yeah. That I did not know. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, what my mind went to is not TNG, but it went to that one really old movie. You know that really old movie <laughs> with the Which aliens? Which one? I, I have s- – oh, that one. <laughs> uh, where – I mean my mind goes to Alien and Aliens where you're know, uh. getting the, the xenomorph and the, the alien queen out through the airlock. <laughs> and Yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, also so goes I, I, to I, I, I Infinity missed, War I missed as well. In, yeah, I missed that Infinity War reference because I have seen a lot of old movies. <laughs> no, and I, I'm not just talking from the 80s. I mean, like, old. Like, I have, uh, I think, I, I forget which copy of The Ten Commandments, and that has the um, Cecil B. DeMille's uh, uh, first version of The Ten Commandments oh, where it was silent. Huh. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> of course... Aliens was 86, so that's only, yeah. what, 32 oh, years three, ago? I was three years old at the time. Yeah. Yep, and and then Alien itself was also, that was 79. We're on the 40th anniversary of, of mm-hmm. Alien. There's, there's actually a number of really strong movies that came out, or maybe not strong, but really um, uh, influential movies that came out in 1979. 1979 to what 1986 that whole span um and i think it's because uh following the post producers code after they shut that down and people started experimenting i think that's when people um finally got to hone those skills that they learned from their mistakes (laughs) in previous movies um and really we're just telling some really strong stories yeah and also some really bad ones, but we're not going to go there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so Fitz has to figure out what they're going to do here. And basically, he needs to help the crew. So they get to the planet that they're going to. Because he was going to find you know technology to allow him to go back into the sleep chamber so he can sleep that 70-some years away again. But instead of staying at the planet, they warp away to go and help this crew. Poor crew, because this crew will get killed for what happened to their captain. And as they do that, I just wrote in my notes, Fitz and Simmons are just two spaceships that pass in the night. Yeah. I have a theory. It could be bunnies. Okay, for those of you who watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you get that. Um (laughs) Um, but I, I do have a theory. (laughs) (laughs) Not Um, with you, but okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It it comes from the musical episode. It's, it's hilarious. Um, uh, but I, I think right now, at least right now, um, Fitz and Enoch are still on the path that they originally were in during that loop timeline. And, um, that won't change until, um, somehow Daisy and Simmons travels somehow interfere with theirs. Oh, interesting. So you think this, yeah. this happened, this happened in the loop. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I'm so? on the other side of that. I think that the ship that cut them in half 
was able to do so because the was it the the Commonwealth or whatever it was, um, the bad Cree people, mm-hmm. um, they oh. were they were put out of commission by changing the future. Oh, and okay. so that ship was you know maybe had more free reign to fly around and terrorize people or steal fuel. Mm. Um, so I I think that for the for Fitz in the chamber. I don't think he woke up at all during that time. Okay. Interesting. That's okay. That's my theory. Um, I, I'm curious though. Cause you're, if this is what happened to them, like I didn't even think about them having adventures, you know, in between when he went to sleep and woke up to me, it was just, he went to sleep and he woke up in time to create his identity. But. Well, Enoch had advent- adventures. Um, I remember from last season, he said that there was a whole bunch of things that happened along the way. Right. But he was awake the whole time. Yeah. And his adventures were really more like protecting Fitz. Yeah. And well, still he's protecting Fitz here, isn't he? Is he not? He is. He yes. is. And I, I'm excited to see him. I like Enoch a lot. Me too. And it was fun to see him here. Um it was interesting to see, you know, what Fitz is doing to, you know, stay on target with the mission. Um, unfortunately for him, like I said, there are ships passing in the night. And he did not see Simmons. I, I was a little disappointed by this ending. Because as soon as he warped away, I'm like, oh, here comes Simmons. Yep, there they are. <laughs> and oh. It, was, it just felt... I don't know. A little too pat. I don't know. Anyway, so that's here, here's here's an epi- uh here's a conversation that happened in my house today. Enoch, is he more like Data or more like Spock? I think I he's at first, Oh, go ahead. I was uh I thought at first he was like Data, but um my boyfriend said no, he's more like Spock and I'm like yeah, but he's also an android. So, mm-hmm. is he more like date? I don't know. I maybe, think maybe honestly, can I throw someone else in there? Sure. I think he's more like a less neurotic C three PO. I I mm-hmm. don't think you know because if you're if you're talking about Data and Spock, are you talking about them in the sense of they're just logical beings? You know, and if that's the case, then yes, probably Data more than Spock because he is an android. But I don't think he has Data's desire to become human or anything like that. The place that would make him like Spock is that, you know, he's an android, but he's an alien life form. Like he's not just an android. Like he's there. There's more to him than just being an android. Yeah, he's he's very sophisticated uh, in his personality. Mm -hmm. Very well developed. Yeah. Um, Okay, three PO, hmm. but but not as neurotic. Yeah, and, and the reason I say that is three PO. The reason okay. I say that is because three PO comes across as a very, I mean, with the neuroses, of course, but he comes across as almost like a Jarvis, almost like a uh, you know he's a manservant kind of thing. He okay. is you know created to serve, and and I get the feeling that. I, I won't say that Enoch is created to serve, but he is absolutely a servant. 
you know, and and I think he may be a servant in the sense that that's just his natural way of being. He's not created as a robot slave, but he is someone who just, I am here to help. I have said I'm going to help you, and that is what I'm going to do. I well, said I was going to help Robin, and that is what I'm going to do. I yeah. like him. that, And that's why I like him. It is, he is he's one of those Samwise-type characters. Yes, definitely. Um, okay, 3PO, I'm not so sure about that, because that's a protocol droid, which is basically a butler. Exactly. Um, exactly. That's, that's why I, I, think, I, I say it. I, yeah, I think personality-wise, he is more like Data, but he's there in the context like Jarvis was. So I think you're right on that part, too. Yeah, I. He's his own character, though. You know, is yes. he more like Data, more like Spock? You know, you can talk about which one he's more like. But what's cool about him is he is not just a reflection of those characters. He's his own thing, and this unique thing that I really enjoy. And I'm so glad he is back, and that he was. I was worried he was dead, first of all. Then they show him in the closet when they take him out of the closet. I'm like, <laughs> he's not moving. He is dead. But he's not. Crisis averted. We're good. I'm good. I'm happy. Yeah. Same here. Okay. Well, that's the episode then. Uh, Anything else to say? Uh, Yes. I'd like to thank Andrew, Jeffrey, Tassel084, and Blessed Cheesemaker. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, Go ahead and explain why you're thanking them. And while you're doing that, I'm going to look up one more name for you to add to that list of people that we want to thank. Oh, okay. So I want to thank them because they are our Patreon patrons. Uh, They contribute uh, a little bit of money every month to um, our podcast. And that helps uh, do things like um, pay our server fees fees for um, our website. So Ben doesn't have to go and ask his wife, hey, can I pay for the server feeds for Welcome to Level 7? No, he can he can just pull it from our uh, Patreon funds. So thank you, everybody. And thank you to... The name is Agent Dre. And so thank you very much, Yay. Agent thank Dre, you. for joining uh, and helping. And it is very much appreciated. And you know what? Samantha was not exaggerating when she said it's nice to not have to go to my wife to say, Hey, I gotta, this it's coming up. So as we say goodbye, I just have to say, we really, really do appreciate paper with faces on it. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 17755-LEVEL7. You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7, or by following us on Twitter, where we are Level7Pod. Our theme music is Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls. You can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed.
that's post credit. I just wanted to do a quick movie review of uh, *Brightburn*, which just came out, and that tells you how far behind we are on production of this episode. But uh, *Brightburn* just came out. It's a James Gunn produced uh, movie that was written by his brother and his cousin. So there's a trigun thing going on there, and it's. Uh, interesting superhero movie, and so I think it is relevant to your interests. Uh, on my Letterboxd thing, which Letterboxd is a uh, social media movie diary kind of uh, a thing. They have a, a nice app that I use on my phone, but they also have a website. And uh, my my Letterboxd review was this, uh, three and a half stars, and I did a seven-word movie review which is super grisly, slightly bland, super villain origin story. And if you, well, I could just read what I wrote here. Um, if you ever wanted a little The Good Son or The Omen mixed with Superman, well, look no further. I felt like I'd seen a lot of this before in other movies, but it was a well-made riff on the evil child growing up before our eyes kind of thing. And it might be fresh to younger viewers who haven't seen those movies. It's also a mirror vision of Superman, and it plays into that with gusto but then there's also a, a, a little easter egg at the end of the movie that kind of ties into james gunn's other superhero movie super with rain wilson that's kind of setting up a james gunn averse i don't know a gcu a gun cinematic universe but um it is a riff on the whole superman thing where you have a baby being found by parents the baby is of extraterrestrial origin. Uh, the difference is this baby, this child, is not coming with the best of intentions. And I, they did a good job. They did a good job. And they took the movie into some interesting places. And, yeah, I, I, it's, it's an R-rated horror movie, though. Uh, and there's some really, really gross, grisly things that happen in this thing. So if that's not your cup of tea, stay away from this movie. But if it is, um, but if you're one of those people who likes the MCU and likes uh, grisly horror movies, uh, this this is your thing. It's a it's a family drama. It's a movie about parents and about like as a parent myself. Uh, it's a movie about the fear of your child not growing up to be what you kind of hope they would be. And in this case, growing up to be the exact opposite of that. So, yeah. So that is uh, Brightburn by, uh, produced by James Gunn. I think he has a story by credit on it. Uh, but he then worked on it with, with his uh, brother, like, and like I said, and his cousin and another director. And he was the, the producer on it. And he said this is what kept him going uh, right after he'd been fired from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Now, in between, when he started this movie, um, then you know things happened with the whole situation. And then uh, before this movie came out, the, he's been reinstated to the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But... In the meantime, this I guess working on this movie was really, really good for him. So anyway, the movie itself was interesting, a little scary, uh, actually a lot scary when you look at the metaphor, and very grisly, but an interesting riff on, on the Superman trope. So peace out, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Godspeed.